Amen. Good morning, everyone. I wish everybody online could really feel the connections that are being made in worship. Because worship is critically important to what God does. Critically important to the connection that we have. It's not about the emotion of it. It's literally about the recognition that he deserves worship. That he is God. And that we were created literally to do just that. To recognize him as God. To yield our spirits, to yield our bodies as a living sacrifice to him. What an incredible opportunity that he has given us. What an incredible responsibility that he has given us to just worship him. To connect with the creator of who created us. By the way, you know that you are, in many ways, a first creation yourself. It's not that God created Adam and Eve and it just kind of perpetuated itself after that. That's not how he designed his creation. He designed his creation that your simple cell duplicates, splits, and duplicates. And then all of a sudden, this one over here has a purpose for your heart. This one over here has a purpose for your liver. This one over here has a purpose for your lungs. See, nowhere in science does it explain where our cells get that information. It doesn't evolve. (laughs) It doesn't just pop out of thin air. It's literally written by God. You were written to be by God. His plan for you is specific. It's not random, even though Satan might want you to believe that. If Satan has lost the first war, which is your soul, if you have given your life to Christ and accepted his son as Savior, he has lost that first war. But make make no mistake, that is not the end of the war. We know that. In many ways, it's the beginning. But he is not to win that second war. But he tries by getting us to realize that, well, we're no different than anybody else. God didn't set us aside as special unto him. Even the thought of pride can creep in. Well, yeah, I I can't think of myself any better than someone else. Well, that is a misnomer. Because that's not what he's saying to do. He's not saying to compare yourself to anybody else at all. He's saying to recognize who you are in him. 
Recognize that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Recognize that as a created being yourself, you were molded by the potter's hands to be a masterpiece of his. Man, if we don't get that, we're going to struggle in this second war. Because we can't then begin to understand the tools that God gives us as his children to wage that war. Before we get started this morning, because honestly, you just gave me a thought. Let's pray. Let's ask the thoughts to be his. <laughs> Father, we worship you and we praise you and we love you. We thank you. And God, we trust you. Lord, let not this time be wasted with anything from me. They don't desire it. I don't desire it. You don't desire it. We are in a threefold unity, a three-chord unity, that my voice be taken out of all of this, that my thoughts be set aside except for where they align with yours. Father, I ask that you speak through my mouth what you desire, that you literally take over, because we are hungry for you. We're hungry. And you said when we're hungry, we'll be fed. When we seek you, we'll find you. Father, we are seeking you this morning. And we desire to hear from you and only you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the thought he gave me was interesting. Might be obvious um, on the surface of it. This morning I was, or last night, kind of the, the, the thought started. I, I wasn't really paying attention yesterday. Usually uh, at our house we'll have the news on pretty much all the time. You know, just kind of hear it in the background, things going on, whatever. Um, but yesterday, I was out and about, didn't have anything on, just had worship on and that sort of thing. So I didn't know anything that had happened. Well, you all, or most of you all know about these tornadoes that hit, I think it was five or six states, over between a 200 and a 250 mile pathway. It's huge. In fact, if it ends up being the 250 mark, then it will be the largest and longest in history ever. But I was talking to him about that, and I don't even know why, um, just because it it caught my attention as I was watching last night just some of the recovery effort and, and things like that. And Father, I do pray for all of those involved in this all of the victims whether it be their lives whether it be their health or whether it be family or whether it be belongings father i pray that of all of those things that affect so many people that what you desire for us to see in it is seen I pray, Lord, that your son is seen. 
and the need for relationship with him is seen. Bring peace to the hearts of those who know you and know your son. And for those who don't, bring them to a place of knowing and being known by you. In Jesus' name. The devastation really was overwhelming. If you go in and research it, it, it really was overwhelming. And, and I started asking the Lord about this. And, you know, he, he said to me, well, you know, what do you think about all this? I don't know, Lord, what do you think about all this? Because what you think is what I want to think about all this. And he said something really eye-opening to me. This morning he said, my creation is groaning. My creation is groaning. Okay. Lord, what does that mean that your creation is, is groaning? And he said, well, go, go look up the verse. And so I did this morning, and I want to turn there, because that's where we'll begin. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Where Paul is talking about the future glory of the bride, the future glory of God's children. We'll just start in verse 18 and read. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. We'll go back to that. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. By the way, that word corruption there means death or decay. It's entropy. It is the falling apart. That's what that means. So, so literally creation itself, it says in verse 21, will be set free from its own bondage of death. Its own bondage of decay. Its own bondage of collapse. And obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Wait a second, that's the second time that phrase was used. So let's go back again. Verse 19, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Then fast forward down to the middle of 21 and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Do you understand that the glory of the children of God does not just affect the children of God? It affects creation itself. It affects the world. It affects the environment. It affects things that are going on with that environment. Now, by the way, let's look for a moment. I, I was looking at it this morning when he took me here. 
Can you, can you, oh, is it scraping? Is this better? (laughs) Everybody online is like, sorry, sorry, this thing drives me nuts after a while. Is that better? Break one nine, break one nine. (laughs) Sorry, my old CB days. All right, thank you for completely throwing me off, Carson. Appreciate that. (laughs) By the way, it is so awesome to see you here. (laughs) For those of you online who don't know Carson is here this morning, that is the result of prayer. That is the result of, of literal warning. But it's also the result, I think, of what we're talking about this morning. And, and what we've talked about, I know a court team has talked about this, Brenda and I have talked about this, this, this idea of the reversal of the curse, which I won't get into this morning, but the reversal of the curse is not something that is coming, right? Jesus paid for it already. It's paid for. It's been done. What Satan has been doing has been on borrowed time. Time that he cannot repay. Time that he has literally stolen from the sons of God. Now let's get back to this. what, what this means. It says that, again, the first time, creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. That word there, you would think, would be maybe Elohim or Yahweh or, or, or one of those. That's, that's not what it is. That word there... Let me pull it up so I can hopefully say it correctly. It's theos. Okay, it's of uncertain affinity. It is a deity, especially the supreme deity. But it is said in a realm of authority. In other words, what it's saying here is not the sons of a God. Not the sons of the God that you choose but the sons of the God who created everything, who created literally the creation that is groaning. It's waiting for the revealing of these sons of God. And and what's interesting is, is, as Paul writes this, he's saying this is a future glory. This is a future coming, even though Jesus had already paid for it right then. Right? Prior to to Paul and and all of his work, Jesus had died on the cross, rose from the grave, defeated death. Now, we think of that in a microcosm because we think how it applies to us. We think he defeated death so that I might live because the Bible says that. If we accept him as Savior, we get to live and not die in our sin, not literally die in hell, right? But there's more to it than that. Because what Jesus died, what he paid the price for in his death, burial, and resurrection is for all of death to be finished. All of death to come to a stop, to be paid for. And until... He comes, 
in his glory, in his triumph, when he comes to take his rightful place on the throne of, of David's throne, he looks to us, his children, those who have accepted him as Savior, and began to build relationship in him. There's a distinct difference there. And, and that's what the bride needs to get. You are not automatically in tuned with everything he does the moment you accept him as Savior. There's an intimacy that is not there. There is an intimacy that is earned over time and over investment. That's why we call it relationship. It's the time that you spend with him in building that relationship. That's what really shows who the sons of God are. The real offspring, if you will, of his creation. Creation is yearning for that. They're looking for that. And it's interesting, I, I just, just took about 30 seconds to do a little Google search on weather patterns over the last 20 years. And, and of course, what's funny, you've got to sift through all the junk, okay, all, all the, the whatever, climate change and all that junk, whatever. But there's some really phenomenal things that you can pull up. I pulled up this graph that is showing how, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll verbalize it like this, how creation has little, literally changed in its stance toward humankind over the last 20 years. In devastating storms of all kinds, whether it be hurricanes, tornadoes, uh, flooding, you know, uh, all these different things. 2020 was a record-breaking year for number of devastating storms. Now, the way they quantified devastating was storms that cost over a billion dollars. One billion with a B dollars. There were, eight, or there were 22 of them in 2020. Think about that. That's a lot of money, right? Okay. That was unprecedented. Do you know as of, because when I pulled this up, it was as of September, three months ago. As of September, there were already 18 in 2021 and fully expected to go well beyond the 22 mark. And I didn't take the time to really research it, but I'm sure that we are. Especially with this last one. With this last one, you have, I mean, cost ratios that, that they were just talking about last night that are staggering. Not, not a billion, but in the billions. Six, five or six states were involved. But the, the recourse of these storms, the, the Time between these storms over the last 20 years has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Okay, 
So you can look at some of this evidence and you can say, well, you know, I, I see how they could think that this climate change, you know, is a result of something that we're doing. You know, maybe maybe we have too many cows and, and the cows are flatulating more than they used to. And, and we have all these cars and we have all this stuff and it's it's ripping apart our ozone and blah, blah, blah. And that's where you get the global warming and climate change and all that junk. And yet they do base it on on certain facts. They just don't understand facts because they don't look at it through a biblical worldview. If you look at it through a biblical worldview, you can look at it and understand, yes, there is climate change coming. Why? Because creation is groaning. Now, think about it. If creation is groaning for the sons of God to be revealed, it's kind of opposite of how you would think. Well, things are going to get worse with creation because, you know, man is so depraved. If you think about that logically, that makes no sense. Especially with the verses we just read. What makes better sense is the fact that we are coming to a time where God's children are being revealed and creation itself is reacting to that. I think out of excitement. Now, I'm not saying that creation has a personality. I'm not saying that it, you know, it's its own entity or anything like that. People who worship creation, who worship the trees, do so at great peril. One of my favorite singers of all time. I know you'll think I'm weird for this, but John Denver loved him. And he loved his trees. So much so he gave his life into one. I know that's a poor joke. But truth, he, he literally flew his plane accidentally into the side of, of a mountain and died in the trees. The trees literally that he worshipped. I call that ironic. But that's not what makes creation groan. What creation groans for is when creation sees that perhaps it is getting close to things being changed for it. Let's continue reading. Again, verse 21, that the creation itself will be set free from its bond, bondage of corruption or death and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have been the first fruits of the spirit. What does that mean? That means the first fruits of those who were filled with the Holy Spirit after Acts chapter 2. The giving of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was not given in that way, in that measure, in the Old Testament. It did not happen until Pentecost. That's what it's talking about here. That, that they at this time were the first fruits of the Spirit. Grown inwardly as we eagerly await for adoption as sons. Wait a second. Paul was saved, but yet he said, 
we eagerly await the adoption as sons. I'm going to leave that with you to, to chew on that for a little bit. Because we always say that we are children of God if we accept Jesus Christ as Savior, and we are. Or we have opportunity to be. And this is a little bit of evidence that there is something more required, if you will, than just accepting Jesus Christ as Savior. Not for your salvation, not for your eternal destiny of of heaven. That's where we get confused. Because that Jesus paid for 100%. All you did was accept it. But again, it goes back to this partnership that we're to have with him after we've accepted him as Savior, this partnership that we build our lives with him in relationship. As we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. That's one of those tough words in the Bible, that P word, the whole patience thing. I want you to turn to 1 John. Because it talks about a defining of who the children of God are. And let, let's, let's go down this here. First John chapter three. I'm just going to begin in verse chapter, or in verse one of chapter three. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that what, that when it, when he appears, we shall be like him. Talking about when Jesus Christ comes back. We shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Something to note there. When Jesus Christ comes back, and I didn't get this for so many years until, until recently. For him to come back and us to see him as he is, the Bible says the only way that can happen is we are like him, right? We are already like him. I used to think that, well, no, we become like him in the twinkling of an eye, right? In the rapture, rapture, we go up to be like him, boom, glorified body, awesome, we're all good. It's not what it says. It says that we will recognize him because we are already like him. Now, I don't know about you, but in today's world, that's really hard to rectify that statement. Because, see, there are things that he could do that we couldn't do. In his glorified body, when he was raised from the dead, we know he walked through walls. Right? We know that he moved about without people seeing. We know that... that Anywhere he wanted to go, he could go, right? He was, and yet he was in flesh. He was in risen flesh. 
but he was still in flesh. In fact, he still is. Uh, Middle of verse 2. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Verse 3. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Then John goes in to explain what that means in purifying ourselves. Verse 4. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. By the way, the just a little added note there. You know, the Bible also says that lawlessness is the sin of witchcraft. Or witchcraft is like the sin of lawlessness. So this is all tied together. Verse 5. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one, now, now, recognize there the word abides, to stay, to keep with, to connect to, to abide. It doesn't say no one who has accepted him as Savior keeps on sinning. Recognize that, please. There's a huge difference. But those who... No one who abides in him. If we build relationship and stay in him, we no longer go on making the choice of sin. Do you see, see what I'm saying? Okay. It doesn't mean that like, like when David cried out, show me anything that I have done that I'm unaware of. It isn't that we don't sin. It's that we do not by choice make a choice to sin. Because the first understanding of that is that when you sin, you literally build a wall between you and God. If there is sin in your life that you are aware of, that you know of, that you choose to do over and above seeking God, then that builds a wall. Does it take away your salvation? No, of course not. You are sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit when you accept Christ as Savior. So what is the effect of sin on somebody who already has a destiny of heaven? Is there any effect of sin? Sure. Absolutely. It's that wall that you build between you and God. What does that wall affect? You hearing him. Do you understand that? There is not a Christian or a saved, we'll we'll call him a saved person, someone who's accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. There's not a single one in the world that God is not talking to. He talks to his children. He's talking to you. He talks to each and every one of us. So all those who say God does not speak anymore... Maybe you ought to look at what walls you have up. What walls keep you from hearing what God is saying? So again, this is not talking about our salvation or our ticket to heaven. It is talking about our relationship with Christ. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning or a choice to sin 
also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. That's what we just talked about, building those walls. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, and he is righteous. Whomever whomever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason for the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Now, I can't stress enough. Do not equate this with your justification of sin, your salvation. Do not equate this with, with, well, if you sin, then you lose your salvation. This is not talking about your ticket to heaven. This is talking about your intimacy with God. This is talking about your adoption as sons and daughters. This is talking about that relationship that allows you to hear his voice and to act upon his voice. Verse 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Now this is where I wanted to get to. Verse 10. By this, it is evident who the children who are the children of God, and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is, of, is the one who does not love his brother. Again, back to the beginning of verse 10. By this it is evident who are the children of God. Now, if we go back to where we were in Romans 8, it says... For the creation was subject to futility, but not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, verse 21, that the creation itself will be set from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And, And actually, I didn't go back far enough. Verse 19, for the creation waits waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Who is it waiting for? It is waiting for those who are building a relationship with Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is through his bride that creation, in many ways, is going to be set right. Jesus already paid for it. His blood already paid for the changing of creation itself. For the changing of this decay, for the changing of things falling apart. Jesus' blood already paid for that, but yet it hasn't manifest. I'll end by saying this. You're not going to see a reduction in this. You're going to see an increase. In talking with the Lord about it, he said you can't see a reduction because creation is getting excited. Creation itself 
is reacting to God's timing on the readying of the bride. So as devastating as these things are, you know, it, it was interesting because I was talking to the Lord maybe a week ago and, and you know, because there is chaos everywhere, right? We know that. Turn on the TV, you see that. But yet, we don't see it in every circle. All this chaos about supply chain problems and everything else, and, and, and it's great talking points, but I've gotten everything I've ordered on Amazon. I've not been stopped buying anything that I need this Christmas. I don't know, have you guys? I haven't noticed any of it. But yet they have in other places. And so those supply chain problems are real, right? But they haven't affected us. How about the rioting in the streets? Okay, we see it on TV. We certainly hear about it. We see the devastation of it, but it, it hasn't come to our doorstep. Right? We don't even have it in Wilmington, which is our biggest city. I don't think, anyways. I guess I haven't been to Wilmington for a while. But yet, all these things will affect us. And I was asking the Lord, you know, <laughs> what about the people that aren't affected by these things? How are they going to know? He said that his plan will affect all. And that's what he reminded me of with this devastation of these tornadoes the other night. You know, most of those towns that were hit were small towns. You know, not like New York City or anything. In fact, that type of weather stays away from those types of areas. It hits the areas that are more remote. There's nothing outside of the hand of God. Nothing outside of his grasp. He is going to let his people know what is going on. He is going to let the world see the sons or the children of God rise up because creation itself is starting to recognize it. So will the world. You know, I, I read a prophecy by Lana the other day. I think it might have been yesterday. It's just short. But talking about how one week can make all the difference in the world. Now, there wasn't a lot of substance to that, but what the way I took it was the idea of the suddenlies. When things start to happen. Okay, all these thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people that were affected by these storms the other night their lives have totally changed. Do you see how easy it is for God to get people's attention in a negative way? Do you see? It's really not hard. It's not hard for God. All he needs to do, honestly, is get creation excited about the sons of God being shown. And there's a reaction no, the hardest part is them seeing when those things aren't in their face. 
seeing it right now. Every one of you, everyone online has an opportunity right now to believe. Right now to understand that he is reaching out to you individually for this relationship. And in that reaching out, he will hold you accountable. It's not like it's always been where there will not be human cost for not deciding to just press into him. That's the whole idea behind the lukewarm being spit out. And I urge you, what, what has been on my heart for so long is literally pleading with you, especially those online, especially those that will listen to this even in the future. Give your heart to him, your whole heart, everything. Which means you have no pretense of how your life should be. You have only a willingness of him showing you the pathway that he wants for you. Because trust me, all those pathways that we manufacture, they're going to be wiped out just like that tornado did for 250 miles. The only lasting difference that we can make is in relationship with him. That's it. Alex, come on up. At the end of worship, um, I had thought that the Lord was going to bring a word this morning um, because he had me remove my shoes and and he began to just just show me things and tell me things. But the only two statements that he made, uh, I, 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 there were pieces I didn't quite know how to fill in and then I, I thought, okay, he's just going to give it to Greg. But he did, um, the, two, the two sentences that he gave me, I actually wrote down, and they were, I am shaking all things, and it's time to prepare. And it's interesting because we know that he's shaking all things, and um, we see that, you know, we've talked about that in many, many messages, but I said, what do you mean by it's time to prepare? Because in a human realm, lens and mindset, you would think that it would, you'd go into the prepper mentality of what goods do I need, what kind of protection do I need. And, and those things, there's, there is a, a level of importance to those aspects of that because that's, you know, we're still humans dealing with things. So, but I just set it aside because he really wasn't clear uh, on, on that to me. And, and then just at the end, um, as Greg was beginning to close, he reminded me of Hebrews 12. Now, it's, it's also in Habakkuk, and it's also in Haggai. But in Hebrews 12, where you see the verses 
that once again, I will shake all things. There is a shaking going on that, as Hebrews talks about, is um, it, it, it's loosening all the entanglements of this world. We've been talking for quite some time about a line in the sand. And I remember when we first started talking about the line in the sand, we think of things in such a... Um, such a momentary, like, okay, line in the sand, today's service, you know, come forward, decision, yes, no, and okay, one and done, and you're good. God's line in the sand is basically taking us through a process where we make choices that are so deeply solidified within us that we just know that we know that we know. We live, we move, we have our being on that side of the line of choice, whichever one. And we're seeing it all the time. We're seeing people that are going uh, further away. It's, it's like when Jesus gave the, the parable about the, uh, the sower and the seed. You know, He said, be careful how you hear. Because if you're not willing to hear, then even that which you have been given will be taken from you. You'll lose more and more understanding. But if you hear well, then more, will, more understanding will be given. And so we're seeing this line and people choosing. But... It's been a process, and it's because this process of shaking, to Greg's point, if you notice, it really is ramping up, not just in the weather patterns, but in people's lives. I am noticing the squeeze. I am noticing the squeeze in my own life, but based on choices, your faith is going to grow if you choose him. If you're still in a fight and you're still resisting, you're going to notice certain things are going to, the walls will cause uh, the barriers, the lack of uh, communication with the Lord, the, the um, lack of understanding. Um, so it's, it's, we're seeing it, if, if, and when you ask the Lord to just reveal it, it's interesting. But when I asked him again about the how do you prepare, I just want to give you um, something to look at this week. And that is Hebrews 13, because it's, it's the latter part of Hebrews 12 that talks about the shaking in this particular verse that he gave me. Because in, in the, um, he's talking and referencing when the children of Israel were at um, Mount Sinai, and, and he said, See that you do not refuse him, in verse 25 of Hebrews 12, See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on the earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. And verse 26, it says, At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he promised, Yet once more will I shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And then in verse 27, this phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. And then it, it just says, let us therefore be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us offer to God an acceptable worship with reverence and awe. You know, God gave us Matthew 6.33 to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so it's, it's like he's reminding us again, the author of Hebrews, that things are going to shake. And it's a time to choose. But when you choose the kingdom, 
you know right then, well, how do I deal with the shaking? What do I do? What, what do you mean the things that remain? The way to deal with the shaking, the things that have to go versus the things that will be solidified, he begins to kind of unpack in, in 13. What does it look like? Offer your, your worship. Don't neglect brotherly love. Um, remember those who are in prison, meaning the brothers and sisters in Christ who, who are suffering for their, for their radical, sold-out faith. Let marriage be held in honor. Um, keep yourself from impurity sexually. Keep your life free of the love of money, and on and on and on. The preparation is a heart preparation to think kingdom and let the things that entangle your life, let them go. And I just want to encourage you, you know, Christmas is a, is a beautiful time to celebrate when God just gave his son. We think of him giving his son as an Easter celebration because he gave him in payment and death on the cross. But really, he gave his son at Christmas. He, he inserted Jesus into humanity at that time. So it's an amazing time of celebration. And yet, there's a lot of distractions with both expectations, busyness, a lot of stuff, especially now with the constant news of fears of supply chain shortage. And, oh, my, I, I, I think I just need to get six of it just in case the supply shortage is here. I, I don't need it, but, you know, I should get it because if somebody says something's not going to be there, all of a sudden the, the need for it goes up, you know, 20%. It's just a strange, like this spirit of lack that comes over people. Just scare somebody that the grocery store might not have bread. Everybody's going to go and buy 26 loaves of bread that they never liked and will never eat. But if it's not going to be there, by all means, I've got to get it. It's a strange thing that happens in our minds. These things all kind of lead to major distractions at this time of year. And I just want to encourage you that whether it be the Christmas celebration, the entanglements that come with the world's you know, lens of it, or even just the need to feel we have to work harder so that we have more, be very, very careful. If God is not first in this radical um, understanding that he may provide for you through a job, but he is still your provider. Your job is not your provider, and don't even let your job, some people know that and know that, but some people's jobs are even more than that. They are uh, a coping mechanism. They are a something to do. They are a place of relevance that they still feel valued in the world. Be careful that um, if there is something that isn't anchored in, in the truth of where we need to be in our relationship with the Lord, rest assured the Lord will allow a shaking. Not as a bad thing, but as a way to shake you loose of the, of the junk. You know, if you had a whole bunch of stuff on you and, and you wanted it off, I'd want it shaken off me. But the thing is, we just don't always know what that is. So this whole thing that's happening is all for the readying of the bride. Um, the, the darkness that has come, uh, we know, is, is, is still a, um, the judgment that begins in the house of the Lord. You know, there, there's a lot of things that we have sown. We've sown seeds uh, in often uh, cases of, of you know, complacency or, or selfishness or um, even evil in some cases. 
and uh, and so God is is realigning things, and it's really painful sometimes when you have to detox from choices that were were really bad. Um, and but but boy, let there's so many more chapters than just Hebrews 13, but let that chapter be one of the ways you prepare. The Lord will tell you exactly how to prepare humanly, but spiritually, just soak in Him and say, look, what else? Where do you want my heart? Is my heart beating in sync with your heart? Tune into what the Lord is saying. He'll tell you exactly what you need to prepare. He'll tell you what you need to let go of. The, the question is, are you willing to listen? Because as you know, and many of us in here have testimonies, he has told us to let go of things or got us to a place where we've let go of things that we would never have let go of before. And um, so that's why the line in the sand has to be a process. It's not just a one and done. Everybody would, who wants God would come forward and say, yeah, yeah, I'll choose you, I'll choose you. We just don't even know that there are areas where we're not choosing him until God takes us through that process. He just he re- makes the, takes us in the refining fire and then lets the dross rise to the surface that we didn't even know was in there. We didn't even know some of that impurity was there. But it's all um, part of his process. So... I just uh, I just wanted to give you that that word that he had given me and he didn't give it ecstatically or anything but um, but he is shaking all things and um, it is time to prepare it's been time to prepare and I hope you're seeking him literally first you can say that all day long but if you're if you're not living that if there really are other things that are pulling you from him or the body or um, a, a, a closeness in hearing his voice anything like that then it might be something that is going to be shaken a whole lot more because he just loves us so much. He doesn't want anything between us and him. So let's just pray. Did you? Oh, you want to? Don't pray. Okay. okay. Heaven forbid that I pray. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Don't pray because we're not done. Okay. Do you want me to go down? Yeah, you could go down. That's fine. The Lord was telling me a few moments before I had Alex come up um, that I needed to have Bren come up here and say something, and I kept thinking, okay, did you tell her that? Because <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to, like, really throw her off or anything, but uh, I should have been obedient and done that, and then didn't Lex come up after her. But, uh, Bren, come on up um, and, and share what the Lord has for you. Um, and uh, And I will say this, we won't be online, but I once once we're done and closed in prayer, um, I did have a dream last night that is exactly what you talked about, Alexis, about, about getting ready, and I'll I'll share it afterwards. Are you guys married? <laughs> yes. This is really just going to be quick, and to sum up everything that Greg just shared and Alexis just shared, uh, the Lord said something to me. A while back, and then this morning it keeps churning in my head. So I'll just tell you, I'll just tell you what he said. But we know that with the shaking that's coming, a lot of these things are going to feel like negative things, right? Natural disasters and and this kind of shaking. There is also simultaneously going to be the favor of the Lord, and he said that. So what what keeps churning in my mind today is this thing the lord said to me and he said for each person what comes is either going to be the great awakening or a rude awakening and what will make the difference 
is responding in surrender, which is exactly what Alexis was just talking about. If we respond in surrender, it will be great. If we respond with pride, it will be rude. So um, we have to choose carefully. We can either lay everything down and trust to him, or we can resist him and try to retain control, but it won't be, won't be a good outcome for us. So, And then also with that, the verse that Jesus plainly said when he said, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give it up for me, you will find it. So that's all I have. Okay, I'll go ahead and pray. Father, I just thank you for everything that was spoken today. And Lord, I just thank you for the tremendous privilege of understanding these things and for being able to know you so closely in relationship that we know and we can know that we are literally the the sons of God that you spoke of in Romans 8. And Lord, we don't say that in any arrogance. We say it because it's, it's Jesus that has paid the price for us to be able to be in that position and hold that kind of authority in the spirit. And Lord, I just pray that you would continue to make us people who are ready, Lord, to be what creation has been groaning for. And Father, we love you and we give our lives completely to this end. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, before we do some announcements. Oops. <laughs>